Welcome to How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, wait a second, you never caught The Road Warrior? Or you seriously haven't seen Akira? Or how have you not seen Before Sunrise? And welcome back to How Have You Not Seen. I am your co-host, Carson Betts. And I'm your other co-host, Caroline Thompson. This is a movie podcast where every week one of us brings one of our favorite movies that the other one hasn't seen. We talk about it. And we go and watch the movie. And then we talk about it some more. It's going to be such a lovely little time. Such a nice, such a nice time this week. I'm so excited for the time we're going to have. Especially week. after the uh, last two weeks uh, of stressful vehicular uh, yes. room room movies, I think this is going to be a nice uh, a nice break. I will say we're we've been doing a pretty good job so far this season of of really doing things in the series. We we went to we went back to school. Well, I should say first we went back to London, and then we went back to school, <laughs> and then we went room room shoot shoot bang bang, uh, and now we're starting a, a sort of a bit of an odder series, which is that we're not doing any movies in a row, but we are doing a trilogy of movies. And the plan, which let me tell you, I've pitched this like a year ago. This has been one of my greatest hopes to do on this podcast because these are three of my favorite movies of all time. We're going to be doing every movie in the Before Trilogy, but in keeping with the way that these movies were all shot nine years apart, we're going to be discussing them nine years apart now. We're going to be discussing <laughs> one a season for the next... <laughs> we're doing this podcast. I'm locking it in. We're doing it for at least 27 years. We're going to be doing one of these movies every season for the next... But this season and the next two after. So we're going to give Caroline a little bit of time between them to kind of let them sit. You know, let to the mature, characters go away. Will, and to age back. a bit. Yeah. Yes, like a fine wine. And these, oh boy, these movies do really age like fine wine. So let's get right down to it. Caroline, how have you not seen Before Sunrise? Um, yeah, so Before Sunrise. Um, so to be totally honest, I, um, I didn't really, I was not really familiar with the trilogy that, that it even existed until the most recent one which is before midnight is that correct correct yeah okay cool so it's one of those things where um and what was that was that 2017 2014 i believe really okay yeah it's yeah it's well they're coming up on the you know every so often you hear word of like oh are they gonna do another one but probably not well i don't even know what they would do midnight's the end of today anyway um yeah so it's one of those things where it was like it when when that one came out, I was like, oh, what's that? Like Ethan Hawke, Richard Linklater, like that sounds cool. Um, and then I was like, wait a second, like this is. I was like, I was like, I thought that this was like a a slow, dreamy, like romantic dramedy. It's a trilogy. Like, how does that work? Like, and so it was one of those things where, um, you know, it's it's 
it's like whenever you have to start a new series, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, I want to watch the second one, but in order to watch the second one, then I like I have to watch the first one. But then like, if I watch the first and the second one, then I have to watch the third one. And that's a really big commitment. Yeah. So like, I'll get around to them definitely. And I've just never, I've just never pulled the trigger. Um, Cause I don't really think, I'm sure they are on some streaming service, but it's never been one of the, it's never been like a Netflix banner title, you know, it's never been one where you boot up Netflix and, it's got elevator music going and it's like number one today is before sunrise. So the like these movies pop on and off of streaming services like nobody's business. It is very annoying, actually, because uh, I'll tell you what, I watched these movies for the first time in 2019 and then through you know, through the hell year, the the ongoing hell year, I uh they really became their big time comfort movies for me. Like any of them, like just rewatching them in order and, uh, you know, doing that, like rewatching them is uh, ridiculous hard because sometimes they're on HBO and sometimes they're on Amazon and sometimes certain ones are and other ones aren't. It's really annoying. Uh, but you already kind of started to talk about it a little bit, Caroline, but what else do you know about Before Sunrise? Um, honestly, like that's pretty much it i mean I, I i now know that they were all shot nine years apart which mm -hmm. would lead me to believe that the that this one would have been shot okay or at least would have been released oh, i'm doing some math hold please so what mm. like uh 97 is that proper math correct correct, correct. okay cool cool um hooray um so yeah i mean i know that it's ethan hawk and i'm and like the like his co-lead, I'm not sure who the actor is, but like whoever plays the the lady co-lead, she's also in all three of them, right? Like it is about the two of them through yeah, all three. Yeah, it's, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This I is, mean, let me just real quick cut in here, Caroline, and say this is really fun. This is uh, we, we talk about this a lot, but like we record these episodes wildly out of order because the format of the show. Uh, I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> I'm, we're going to talk about. Uh, Ethan Hawke's co-lead uh, at some, not length, but we're going to talk about her in an episode that comes out before this one, which is hilarious. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, right, a mystery well, for you, but not for the audience. Yeah, it'll be one of those things where, okay, interesting, interesting. Um, now, I, now I don't even want to look it up because I want to actually wait until I sit down and watch the movie to see who it is. Um, it's not Linda Cardellini, is it? <laughs> It's not Linda Cardinal. No, okay. that'd be a, oh, that'd be okay. a weird, that'd be interesting. You know what? I'd probably watch a little it. I would too watch young it. for that. She's probably a little too young. Yeah. I think she, she would have been, I mean, Ethan Hawke was young in 97, but she probably would have still been like a teenager in 97, I think. Yeah, she would have been right hot off of, well, she would have been in her 20s. She would have been hot. Actually, no, I think she'd be the correct age. Okay. She actually might be exactly the correct age now that I think about it. Okay, well, damn. All right. Um, I was just thinking of who who have we talked about recently, and I'm like, uh, like it's got to be kind of weird, unless it's unless it's Holland Taylor, which like again, also, if nope. uh, kind of the other end of the age spectrum. I might cut this out, but spoilers: we might be talking about her after this. Really? Oh, I was just saying, like literally later today. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, no, we are cool. It's not Reese Witherspoon, is it? Okay, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll, I'll find we'll it out. We'll figure it out. I'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> we go. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, does it take place? 
maybe and maybe I'm just getting this confused because the the uh the posters are always very dreamy but does it take place in Europe yes yes is it in Italy Spain uh, no Where, you're close okay uh Portugal I don't I don't know no Austria <laughs> you never would have guessed it. I'm sorry oh no I never would have guessed Austria no um yeah but yeah, uh, so I mean, I think that's really it. I mean, I assume, I assume Richard Linklater wrote it. I I could be wrong about that because he doesn't always write his movies, but I'm assuming he did. He, he's helming all three. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about this a lot more in the back half, I'm sure. But he uh, co-wrote it with uh, Kim Krizan, uh, who's. Uh, I mean, her contributions to this movie are uh, huge and must needs be recognized. Uh, uh, she teaches writing at UCLA right now. I'm actually just looking at her Wikipedia. Um, mm. But it is a movie, I'll just say, uh, this movie was based off an experience that Richard Linklater had, and then he wrote about it, and then he specifically, and I think it's part of the magic of the movie, is that he sought out a very skilled uh, female screenwriter to come on and essentially help him rewrite we'll just say Ethan Hawke's co-lead uh, because it was the first draft of this movie was just like oh yeah this is very much from the perspective of Ethan Hawke and, and you know not the other way around but yeah we'll talk about that a ton in the back half I'm sure cool um, in that case I'm gonna go ahead and say that I'm, I'm pretty tapped out I don't think I know anything else really all right fantastic fantastic all right so in that case we're gonna move on without any further ado, to our little game of the week. Uh, and we're going to be doing a, a kind of an odd spin. And I, we've been, I think it's, we've, it's a great segue into this that we've been having, honestly. Uh, but we're going to be doing a little spin on a game that we like to play, which is Recast It, which usually in a movie will just take about the top five or so uh, build actors in a movie. And then we'll try and recast them before seeing the movie. And then when we come back, we have a little discussion about like, uh, did that work? Does that not? My spin on the game this week, Caroline, is because there are only two actors, I would like you to just think of three male actors, three female actors, and then when we come back, we're just going to see which, two, which pair can we make would be the best in this movie. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... Because I will say there is a history of people doing like taking this movie and the trilogy specifically and doing like staged versions of it or readings of it. So it's not crazy out of, out of nowhere to kind of recast it a little bit. Okay. So let's think. So, all right. First one's coming out in 97 and then they make two more over the next 18 years. And I mean, Ethan Hawke, wasn't as prolific in the late 2000s and 2010s as he was in the 90s. So I'm not necessarily trying to think of somebody like two people, like people who were stars like that early and like continued. Like Ethan Hawke's still making movies, obviously, but like mm -hmm. he comes and goes. Um, so I'm just trying to think who would have been. And Ethan Hawke's weird. Ethan Hawke's got a weird energy to him. He's a like, real weirdo, yeah. Like he's he he's he's handsome, but he's kind of like he's a little off kilter, and he's like got like a like a little bit of like a sadness to him, but it's not like edge lord sadness. So like it's it's a. Uh, I'm trying to think. Okay. 
Okay, so I've got my first two, which are for 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 the for the gentleman role. Um, Love it. I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm thinking of people who one who was a big star in the the 90s who could have been the lead in a romantic movie and of course one of the first things that comes to my mind I, is um, Leonardo DiCaprio okay um, so there's one um two both because like both because of the Leonardo DiCaprio of it all um but also like like unconventional leading men who make sense as leading men but kind of like kind of are a little like off kilter i'm gonna go ahead and for number two i'm gonna say peter parker himself toby mcguire oh weird oh yeah. weird <laughs> i don't know i, I um, love it i love it get tugboat and, in there i love it yeah tugboat to my favorite onion article. go look it up Ooh, i just got a, another very chaotic choice and I think, I think, I think, okay, I'm going to lock this one in um, because I think between the three of them, it will give me a nice, um, a nice even spread. I'm um, going to go ahead and say Keanu Reeves. Oh, oh no. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no, no, okay. go on. No, it's a great answer and I love it. Go, go on, please. Give me, give me some ladies. Okay. Okay. Pivoting, pivoting to the ladies. Um, let me think here. Okay. Late 90s. And this one's even harder because I literally don't know. Like, I, I don't even know an yeah. archetype for the 80s. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, where the hell do I go? Um, uh, okay. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna riff here. Um, hell yeah late like 90s jazz, baby just give it oh god this is this is i already know this is terrible um but like because like late 90s and i don't even think she's all that good but i'm gonna go ahead and say i'm gonna go ahead and say uh because i watched um because i've been watching a lot of like 90s early 2000s horror recently um i'm gonna go ahead and say sarah michelle geller oh just 1997 okay baby. um yeah yeah that would be the time um let me think it's kind of beautiful how hard you're thinking about this i know it's yeah. just i just I, I i yeah um it's a it's i didn't it's a thought-provoking game i'm a i'm a game master i am the game master yeah um okay That's late my 90s. let's just go um Somebody okay, okay. Somebody who would have been maybe not starting out, starting out, but like is definitely in the early stages of her career. Who I think would probably be about, about the right age. Uh, let's throw out Julianne Moore. Yeah, and, yeah, mm -hmm. and okay. Lastly, but not least, we're just going to go ahead and say thinking 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 Bling. and okay um i jennifer connelly <laughs> okay i'm just sure. like what yeah. are what are what are movies from the late 90s early 2000s beautiful mind popped into my head yeah. 
do love Jennifer Connelly, and honestly, every time Jennifer Connelly is in any movie, um, she is she is one of the the number one people who, when she pops up in something, I go like, like I I I just give it an extra half star in my head because I'm excited she's here. So yeah, I'll say Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. I feel like she doesn't work that much anymore. It's kind of kind of sad. Well, yeah. great. Uh, this is going to provide for a rich discussion on the back half. I I truly think that. I'm glad that this is the the course I chose to go with this game because it's going to get, oh man, it's going to get weird. Um, But I think it's about time. Let's go watch this thing. We will see all of you after the break. And we're back. We are back. Caroline, back in the U.S. Say, from Austria. Back in the U.S. We've made it back. We're pining back. for for what once was, which was last night when I was sitting on my couch watching this film. Owning down the days. <laughs> Let me just say, I saw your letterbox review, and it it made me giggle and also i was very <laughs> pleased that it was a five-star review it made me very excited yes yes so for those of you listening at home who probably don't follow me on twitter the uh my review is after all these years i finally <laughs> believe people can be straight in, in all seriousness it is such a beautiful little movie and i and like i i say that as a joke but like also at the same time it's like i do like i do just really buy their their chemistry in this and i really buy what they're what they're what they're going for in this like i just mm. really buy their relationship it's it's beautiful like are they okay. actually in love in real life like no. are they married no. no no it's one of the craziest like i mean because not always but i you know the the idea look we uh, we say it all the time we're from fucking theater the idea of a, of a showmance is like very common just yeah you know if you're doing your job you're kind of well you i mean even in hollywood i mean yeah, like fuck. it happens all the time i mean fucking chalamet and uh zendaya are dating chalamet and zendaya tom we're wait just no doing no no tom holland, tom holland tom holland, tom holland and, and, zendaya. and zendaya the other guy who zendaya is dating in movies the other like Sorry. cute puckish boy that zendaya's <laughs> with on screen um but yeah it's it's all the time but no i mean as far as i can tell they never it's it's i i will say when we do sunset i will have because i got the criterion these two know this the audience does it i finally broke down and i just bought the criterion collection trilogy of this because i've wanted to do it for like two years and i was like fuck it it's like 30 bucks off on amazon right now now's the time um so I'm going to, I have not yet gotten to all the like special features and shit on that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to luxuriate and all that shit before we get to sunset. So I don't oh, know, yeah. maybe I'll discover there's like a whatever, but to the best of my knowledge, no, they never, they, by the time they were shooting sunset, I think they were both married, I think. Okay. Like, Speaking of which, um, we're going to talk about this movie a lot, but um, yeah, I do want to like, you don't have to hold me to this, but um, I think Sunset needs to be the first episode of next season. Because I yeah. can't, I'm, I'm, I'm resenting that we agreed to this because I really want to watch it now. I, fuck, yes, yes. You, you, you won, you won. 
You did, you did the thing. I literally had the same thing. I sat down to watch this uh, common story, and she's at the point now. I'm not allowed to mention her name because I said if I do, I owe her, owe her royalties. So when my unnamed roommate and I sat down to watch this movie, she was like, this is some fucking romance shit. Is this going to make me sad? I don't know. I don't want to watch this. And then at the end of it, she turns to me. She's like, can we watch Sunset tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know. So I was... I, I was going to say the same yeah. thing, Caroline, that the worst part about watching this movie is now I'm like, well, fuck, I can't. You get to watch the next one. You don't have to preserve your virgin status. I mean, I yeah, literally... but I feel like it's more fun if I'm yeah. watching, if I haven't seen a That's movie, fair. if I'm watching That's this with you, with That's you both. Fair. I, and just to say, just to like really drag it out a little bit more, the next one is my favorite of the trilogy. It's maybe my favorite movie. It is one of those movies where I don't, I literally, I cannot say anything about it because like the setup of the movie, the first like five minutes are filled with like three individual instances in which you just kind of go, oh shit, like, oh shit, oh shit. And then that just keeps going for the rest of the thing. So, so enough about that movie. We're talking about this fucking movie. Before we go on, let's return to our game real quick because Car- yeah caroline's freaking out because she knows that having now seen the movie fucking chaos choices all around y'all just heard this i'm not gonna belabor it but we did recast it but we did it in a weird way where we're just like let's get three boys three gals and let's see if we can slot them in um none of oh, these fucking- also yeah. you didn't tell me she was supposed to be french no that was purposeful <laughs> Well, because then was it going to be a fucking Marion Cotillard? Like, no, fuck that. I wanted it to be weird. Okay. So I don't, I don't think, you know, whatever. This is fantasy. We don't have to keep it to her. I mean, she's French in the text of the movie, but she doesn't have to be a French actor. Right, 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 right. So you said Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, he would have had the, the goatee. So that's, yeah. that's something. I mean, the thing with Leo is I can see him... I mean, Leo is charming. Leo does charming very, very well. Yeah. And Leo does uh, Leo does um, brooding very, very well. So I could see him. I don't know that I've seen. He is a very big, committed actor, and this yeah. is a very, very, very um, precise, small performance in a lot of ways that I, I'm not saying Leo can't do it, but I don't think I've ever seen him do anything like this. I mean, he's, he's done romance, but it's been much more traditional romance. I, he'd be, right. he'd be, especially at the time, especially this is the nineties when he's in his like peak, you know, like teen mean, idol before, phase. Yeah. And I mean, okay. It's before Titanic. Yeah. Also that was the thing is in the first half, you said this movie was 97, but it's 95. I fucked it. Yeah. I fucked it That's up. Fine. Sorry, that it's fine. It's fine. But it's just like, so yeah. So like, he's even younger. I mean, yeah. Yes. This is pre Titanic. So like, he's too young now, but like, let's, let's imagine he was the proper yeah. age, like with his career that he's had. I mean, I feel like it's not a bad choice, but it's not a good choice. No, it, there's a version of this movie that works with Leo. It's not this movie. It's a it's different just, thing. All of Leo's romances, other than Titanic that I can think of, they're all very troubled. Yeah. You know, it's all very yeah. like, and this really isn't that. This is a lot more pure. Yeah. Romeo plus Juliet, which comes out at a similar yeah. time, which he's not very good in. 
Um, but he's making huge, big, committed decisions. Yes, yeah. He's making choices, which is what I appreciate about early Leo. Right, I right, think right, many right. of them work out, but he is making choices. I also think, I will say, some of the alchemy of this movie is that these are both theatrical actors. Is that yes. Delpy and Hawk are both, they do a lot of still do theater. And these are as close to plays as you can get without, you know, without them just losing all the shine of, of film. Um, so t- Tugboat, Tugboat McGuire, no. Toby, no. 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 Not in a billion fucking years. Not no. in a billion fucking years. Keanu, not a bi- I lo- I love both these men. I love them. I love <laughs> Toby McGuire. I fucking love Keanu Reeves. This is material that would be so ill-suited to what is good about, about Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Reeves. Yeah. Never in a million years. Uh, gals, Sarah Michelle Geller would be fine. Yeah, she could Ju- do the movie. She'd be fine. Julianne Moore, I think, is maybe, in my opinion, I think is the best sub in yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. My only thing with Julianne Moore is one thing I love about Julianne Moore is regardless of what character she's playing, she's always playing. Like, she is. All of her characters are pretty, like, they know what the fuck is going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. She plays a very, 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 very competent person. And, like, a lot of this movie is, a lot of this movie is, like, questioning things. And yeah. I think that, like, in my mind, Julianne Moore doing this role, she's playing, like, this this person who thinks she has everything figured out and she's, like, horribly struggling with a lot of these questions instead mm-hmm. of, like, what Julie Doby does, which is really, like, which is really, like, lovely and beautiful, where she's, like, this movie does musing. Yeah. better than like i've i've like really ever seen like so much of this movie is is just really 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 nice like the like characters just musing about things just instead of like shit out just yeah, like, like, like uh, you're not seeing you're not seeing like their c- conceptualizations of reality shatter under these existential questions and they're also not like doing it to flex their muscles to be like look at how smart i am they're yeah. just kind of like I don't know. What do you think happens after you die? I don't know. Like, let's, let's, you know, it, I don't know. I think musing so well. Yeah, I think maybe my thinking of Julie and and it's it's almost a kind of paradoxical thing because by the time you get to the third movie, these two characters are so much like the actors have such a strong hold on them that it's like stupid to even consider recasting them in any sort of right, way. Right, right. Um, but I do think I'm I'm kind of thinking of the julianne more of today doing before midnight rather than i am you know yes her doing celine in her 20s um but yeah chaos choices almost all of them boys especially who's my third one who's my third um uh jennifer conley who'd be fine who'd be fine yeah i like jennifer conley i like i like her for this yeah jennifer conley of of this group I think Jennifer Connelly is maybe the closest to the mark. And I think that she does, she does like very small, like close to the chest, intimate acting sure. very, very well. Yeah. Um, in a way that I think would be a different take on this character. Um, because like one of the things I love about Julie Delpy in this movie is she is so pure. Like she is yeah. so genuine and she's so like, it doesn't feel like there is like a shred of um, like self-consciousness in this character. Yeah. Um, very, very genuine, which I think, I think, I mean, a lot of American actors too, just like so much of the way American films work is like characters struggling and fighting. So I think that like 
most American actors who plug in that role and they 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 will try to latch on to the torturedness of some of this, I think, in a way that Julie Delpy yeah. I don't even think attempts to. Delpy is really is really keyed into the sort of and it is something and it's look, it's in the text of the film, the fact that one of them is an American and the fact that one of them is French is like brought up you know frequently just in terms both in terms literally both in terms of like this is why they're together and why they have to part but also like these are the differences in their dispositions but she's really very well tied into the like capital r romanticism of this movie where and she's and she's walking the line where she's not doing it like she's still playing a real person like she is not playing like some stupid like some stupid little girl that just wants to be in love like she is just a young woman who is is struggling with the thing that i think that a lot of us struggle with when we're i mean literally these two motherfuckers are like they're a little younger than we are but they're basically our age in this movie and it's a thing that i go through a lot it's one of the reasons i love these movies especially right now is that like i'm at the age where she says it i the value of to love and to be loved i think that that is you know that's the greatest thing that we can you know we can strive for but also we're not really adolescents anymore we understand what the fuck that actually means we get that there's a a really uh, a bevy of possible downsides that come with that right. and she doesn't play the willingness the want to be loved like she doesn't understand that that there are that there are major downsides to that i just repeated myself but she but she yeah yeah. she plays it with a she plays that romanticism with a depth that i think does it, it does have something to do with her like europeanness and also has to do with her theater background um yeah god she's so good in this oh, she's yeah. so good in this no yeah and i mean i think a lot of it too um i think a lot of it too is the way that it's filmed um yeah. the fact that it's like a series of like like really long takes um a lot of the time it's it is allowing the audience to in allowing the audience to kind of experience like like nothingness and like probing with these characters you know like Mm -hmm. like you're watching them like walk through the street and just kind of like ask questions about these things um the fact that you're there with them for so long the movie doesn't have to telegraph anything like the movie is the movie is very not didactic it is one of the least didactic movies i've ever seen and i think a large part of how resonant this movie is is in showing that like in just showing two people like falling for each other in these very long drawn out sequences like it says everything without saying anything. Yeah. You know, like one of the things I was thinking of is like, oh, in a in a in a worse version of this movie, in a worse version of like, you know, we have 24 hours in Paris and that's all. Mm-hmm. There's like a montage of them like holding up the map and like smiling and laughing and like hopping yeah. into a taxi cab and yeah. like running around a fountain. You know what I mean? And it's like, and it's like there's there's in a worse version of this, there's like there's a montage and there's like telegraphing and there's like taking stabs at what we think love is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like and how to telegraph that to the audience. Whereas like with this, it's just like 
like fuck they are so charming and just, just charming letting them and just like letting them watch like seeing all of those very very like natural small yeah. mannerisms especially from ethan hawk he's he's um, got tiny little he's not he's a physical actor really yeah it's it's one of those things that like it's just incredible it's it's yeah. incredible to watch and i think and it's something that i've having now watched this movie a bevy of times it's something that i think about a lot and i think you were starting to get into it because I, we we didn't i don't think we talked about this in the first half but and i don't know if you know this but the the inception point and stop me if we did talk about this first half but the inception point of writing this movie was that link later had an experience like this yeah in montreal and it's interesting to me like i have thought a lot about about like okay if you're doing this movie that's supposed to be this very honest retelling i did mention this in the first half yeah but if you're doing this movie that is supposed to be this sort of honest retelling of your own experience and you're trying to capture it's it's this movie is almost natural like it's so realistic as to almost be naturalistic like capital and naturalistic yeah um why not put it in Mon montreal is it not cheaper to shoot montreal than it would be in fucking austria like and part of my thought not that montreal is not a gorgeous city but part of the thinking there to me and i think part of the very like conscious choice of it and it's also a conscious choice in the next two movies is that it is a externalization of what these two characters are kind of dealing with this this sort of um you know this sort of tension that they're having between what it, you know the expectation and the reality where I, you know and they're constant one of the things they're talking about is the thing that you're saying caroline is like the ah what is this some fantasy love nonsense like well i don't want it you know uh, you're gonna go home to your friends and talk to them about how you fucking met some french girl in the you know and it was all very romantic and very like sweet and it, it it's they are being very realistic about their situation but it's fucking undeniable that they're walking through this like beautiful old world european city that they are like literally and they're literally in this liminal space to which neither of them belong and it makes the reality like it takes the thing that is fantasy and externalizes it and puts it into the realities in a way that matches the performance you know yeah and it's yeah. and there's a uh, and, and this is god it's going to be like a year but when we get to before midnight there is a thing in before midnight that is like i think justifies my take on that um but yeah god and the fucking city's so beautiful and the way it's, it's shot so beautifully and the fucking the the gondolas and the fucking okay let's just key in on a little thing because i think one of the brilliant things about this movie and, and it is one of those like it was written by a man and a woman and you can get there's and you can look at each scene and, and kind of pick it apart a fairly different ways so it's a question for you w what do you think about the um the little disagreement they have about the guy who gives them the poem oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. Poem. yeah um first of all i love the milkshake poem it's a good poem the milkshake poem is a very good little poem yeah um i mean i think i mean i i liked it a lot i i i think it's i, I personally me watching it i think of it less as a um as like a like one side coming from a man and one side coming from a, one side yeah, yeah, coming sure, from a woman sure. and more yeah. i read it much more as an american versus a european sure sure, um, sure. because like I mean, in America, we're taught to be a lot less distrustful yeah. of like strangers and like and like money making schemes and all that stuff. And that's the thing is like is like when we think about folks on the street 
like doing anything for money we, mm-hmm. we like we are conditioned to believe it's somehow a scam mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it's like i don't know like um because i mean that was it was one of those things where he said i'll write the poem and i was like okay great like he's gonna write them a poem and then like it was a really good poem, good poem. <laughs> and like and like the way he like the way he delivered it i was like i was like oh this is brand new like he just wrote it like this is this is like actually very meaningful to him like he's he's mm-hmm. really like did it and then like 20 seconds later when ethan hawks just like well you know he probably like wrote that yeah, already i was like that, i was like yeah. like i i probably was did. kind of like i i had noticed that when he said that like in the back of my head i too had that thought yeah. like i was kind of taking the movie and the character at face value and like yeah. i was i was very much with julie delpy of kind of like yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. of like this is great like it's so beautiful i can't believe he did this but like as soon as ethan hawk said that my mind was kind of like eh, yeah he might have done that like you know what yeah, i mean yeah. um it's like, that was in the back of my head yeah, I do. And I do think that one of the fun things about these, especially when you get through the trilogy, is you get to have the like, okay, am I a Jesse or am I a Celine? And I do think personally for me, it changes depending on which movie you're looking at. Right. Um, I will say <laughs> in this movie about 15 minutes in, my roommate looks over at me and goes, fucking why is Ethan Hawke playing you in this movie? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, excuse you. First off, excuse you. <laughs> But like that's the 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 multiple times I watch this, every time he go, goes to do the poem, I just kind of cross my arms and I go, okay, yeah, let's, let's give give us your poem. Let's see, uh huh, totally. You just wrote us a poem right off the dome. Of course you did. Very sweet, very nice. Glad you did it. Don't mind paying for it, but he just fucking had that written down, didn't he? <laughs> like, like yeah. Um, but God, yeah, Hawk's good in this, and I do relate to him very much in this movie, in that he is he's just he's simultaneously very idealistic but he's just too fucking grounded for his own good. like he he is kind of poisoned by america a little bit too yeah, much yeah no just i like, totally agree it's all a fucking scam like let's just you know it's it goes to the the when they have the talk about and he's doing the thing that a lot of men do which is and it's one of the kind of i think gendered interactions they have a lot where she's kind of she is constantly trying to feel him out for his intentions. There is kind of a like, okay, you know, th- this boy is being a bit bit too nice to be true, you know? Um, and, and also there's just the on top of like, well, I got to make sure this motherfucker doesn't literally kill me. Um, yeah, and so she's always feeling that out. And Ethan Hawke is, I think, my interpretation of it, despite the fact that he is literally falling in love with this woman, also doing the like i mean i don't know if we could fuck at the end of the night that'd be pretty cool like that's always kind of in the back of his mind a little bit like it, and it doesn't make his feelings like you know not legitimate or anything but that is there and, and it is those two conditioned responses that you kind of get um but but yeah and that's always a fun game to play because i think that it happens a few times throughout the movie you get the like her being like okay mister what what the fuck's going on here and he and he's like no no it's fine oh no no what's that the de- oh yeah mr romantic fucking kissing me on the ferris wheel uh-huh yeah no yeah yeah no and i mean i think too like it's it is a really good 
it's a really good balance between the two characters because it's it's hard to really say at least for me like oh like yeah. i really identify with one of them more than the other because it's just yeah. like there is this thing with like like i mean ethan honk so much of what he's doing is so american and it's like yeah. when he's talking about like his parents and it's like yeah. when he's talking about like like he has this edge of like he always has this edge of kind of like ironic cynicism to everything. It's like, well, you know, mm-hmm. I love this. I know that love is real, but like also like most of the time love is fake. Haha. Ha, anyway, like, I think I really like you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like that, that very American thing. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that is, that really sells this movie um, to me specifically, but also I think probably to everybody is there is really no, there is no great conflict in the movie. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like your traditional like film where it's like, it's a character A wants X and character B wants Y and where their, where their intentions cross is where our movie is. It's very much like, it is very like these two people are on the same team and the conflict of the movie is that like everybody knows that like this is gonna end yeah you know and it is that thing too it's like a very like nice microcosm of like human relationships is like even though you know even though most of us when we get into a relationship we hope that like it's gonna be the one that lasts like it is that thing of but like in the back of your head, you kind of always know that like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you you always know in the back of your head, like this might not, like this probably statistically speaking will not work out. Um, yeah. And it is that thing where they are so much on each other's team that it's so fun and nice to see them play off of each other. And like, I had that experience several times where several times in this movie, I'm like, Oh my God, that was so lovely. This is so great. Oh no, it's going to end tomorrow morning. Yeah. No, no, no. Yep. Like, don't think about that. Don't think don't about think that. About like, like, like there's 45 it. minutes left in this movie. Like we got 45 more minutes. And I think that like a, a big reason why that works so well is as I mentioned before, like this movie does musing very, very well. And I feel like I, I really, truly feel like at no point are these characters a mouthpiece for the writers. You know, yeah. they never come up with like stunning conclusions about love. There is mm-hmm. no like there's no big lesson to be learned at the end about how like, no, you must seize life when you have it. You know, like, no, like you mm-hmm. like like it's the movie is never like, oh, it's so it, like it's folly to not exchange numbers. Like it's folly to not want to see each other again. Or like, you know, the movie doesn't make I don't feel like the movie's making an argument for like actually it's more poetic and special if you don't see each other again. You know, it really yeah. is that thing of like the characters are trying to figure out in this moment, like, I don't know, is it gonna be better for us to is it gonna be better for us to like just have this awesome night? But also if we don't have the chance like if we don't get to make the decision of what goes next like we're always gonna wonder and i think that's like what's so important about so much of this movie is it's not a mouthpiece movie you know it's not it's never trying to i i don't know i don't feel like it has one larger point on its mind where these characters have to argue over it and come to a conclusion together and either one of them is right and one of them is wrong or whatever Mm -hmm. it's just it's just so lovely it's just so yeah. lovely. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, it's a classic. Um, oh, I don't even know what the fucking the old school textbook thing is. It's like what man versus fate, like man versus the universe right. is the conflict. It's, 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 it's these two characters versus time. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's the, 
And I, you're utterly correct about that. And I think that part of the juice of it is that because that, that like, because they're literally because they're in a liminal space and you can do things, the definition of a liminal space, part of it is that you can do things there that you would not normally do in the, in the standard, you know, world is that they, they can kind of say things and do things that like under no, you get the sense that under no other circumstances they would be saying or doing these things. It is, it is like, because we know that this is going to end, it gives us the freedom to, you know, kiss on the Ferris wheel and, and, you know, uh, take the wine from the guy at the bar and all that stuff. Like, definitely it, it is this, it, it, because it's, and it's, it's, it is, like you said, it's a microcosm of love. Generally, it's like the, okay, because I'm in love, I'm in this, almost the, the space of love, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Austria of the mind, if you will. <laughs> oh my God. It, it, it gives you permission to kind of act in a way that you really fucking usually wouldn't like to, and, and, and people understand that. Like it is the, the gene, like I love, and it, and it was one of the things that we're watching this movie the other night and my roommates kind of looking very skeptically at Ethan Hawke goes to the bar and he's like trying to get the wine and she's like, he's not going to get that wine. And I'm like, no, it, it's a much better decision that the guy lets them have the wine than if it's like a conflict and it's a plot point and they have, to, it's something they have to fix. Like, no, it right, is right. a reaffirmation of like, this guy sees in Ethan Hawke's eyes that he is being 100% honest. And on top of that, the man is dumb sick in love and and is willing to do anything to like to please this woman that he's with and so he's like yeah fucking and that i think that that guy is i you know is very much me speaking but i think that it's to me it's a bit more thematically relevant if the guy's like i'm never getting that money back that's fine yeah. no big deal i helped out yeah. a couple of kids like that they're in love they're in love that's and that's what love is, is you get special treatment sometimes like yeah. like yeah and and then just the it's what gives them, and I, and the movie is very, very good. I think it is, the other films do not quite capture the, the day cycle, I think, quite as well, which is something we can talk about later. But the fact that it is, you go from blistering noon to, you know, darkness to, oh God, the shots of, of, this, of the early morning, like once the sun comes up and the sun actually does rises, are just the coloring on them is just a little bit wrong and a little bit harsh and you know in context what they mean and it's so fucking heartbreaking it is it is a an absolute hangover of a series of images uh but but you know as i'm saying it's the the, the bright bright morning and these big expansive vistas then turn into you know, uh, twilight and then darkness and then small clubs. And then, you know, the camera pans in further and further and you get much smaller and smaller images. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it really gives you the sense of, oh shit, things are running out. It's getting, it's things are, it's a pressure cooker. Things are getting more intense between them emotionally, but it's also, there's less space for it. And, and it's fucking, and then when it expands at the end again and they have to leave each other, it's fucking heartbreaking. It is the, mm, it's juicy. It's juicy. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, it so just like perfectly captures that, like, we're going to stay up until 4 a.m. talking, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that we've we've all had in a relationship in a way that, like, I don't know, like, I th- I feel like, and, you know, most movies about love are not about, like, what happens in the first 24 hours of meeting somebody. So, like, it's mm-hmm. fine, but, like, it fixates on how just, like, intoxicating that feeling is. Mm-hmm. 
in a way that like most movies that would be minute seven you know yeah. what i mean or like or like yeah. the, the two characters meet at minute 15 and then minutes 15 through 30 is like a very quick series of events of like of like little little cute little cute uh anecdotes that happen here and there and um i don't know this movie like in such a wonderful way fixates on but isn't really the best feeling in the world like those first couple weeks where you're staying up until four yeah like every single Mm -hmm. night when you have to wake up at when you have to wake up at 6 30 to get to work and it's just like you're kind of like yes yes it is and aren't those feelings mediated and maybe made even a little bit better it's a little bit of that salty with the sweet of like oh fuck this is gonna end this is gonna end one day it's all gonna go away i know it's going to and there's nothing we can do to stop it yeah it's the same i love this movie for the same reason that like I mean, maybe my other favorite romance is Eternal Sunshine. And it 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 works in the exact same juice of like, this is gonna really? go wrong eventually, right? I th- I think so. Well, the thing, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I like about Eternal Sunshine that have has nothing to do with this movie that's a much more you okay. know, uh, absurdist and postmodern movie than this one is. But I mean, fundamentally to me, the la- it's it's this movie taps into the same thing that the last scene of Eternal Sunshine does, where it's like you're doing this because it's it is the best thing to do despite the fact that you fucking know it's all going to go wrong you know yeah. that eventually it's going to end and something's going to happen and it's going to be but like the feeling right now is so powerful and so intoxicating and so true i'm not you know i'm not trying to say that love is some dumb whatever bullshit like it, it is the truest thing you can feel i think and because of that you are willing to do a thing despite the fact that you know it's going to end Right, And that's, yeah, it's that last scene of Eternal Sunshine where they're literally hearing themselves talking about why they want to break up. And they're still like, oh, we should get a coffee. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, that movie, that movie breaks my fucking heart. Also fucking devastating. Devastating. So movie. good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, this movie is very, very good. I think, um, you know, I mean, I think I already hit on this, but just like the fact that the movie really true that the fact that the movie doesn't have anything like textually like in terms of like and this is the greater point by making no definitive statements about like love and romance it says everything about it um in a way that i find so eloquent um because it's just it's it's not claiming anything major other than like other than like god doesn't it kind of feel like doesn't it feel amazing and like like, doesn't just like kind of anything feel possible and like we don't know like let's just let's just watch two like really charming people fall for each other yeah and I, yeah it's it's it is an amazing like balancing act to me of like these characters questioning everything and these characters like you know waxing poetic about love you know a little bit and like it never feels like you know look to the camera like and here's the message you know yeah. it really is that thing of just like just the ebb and flow of their conversation and how you know and how natural and everything it is like you i don't know it is by not saying anything concretely like it says everything it is one of the most convincing one of the most affecting like romances i've ever seen in a movie hell yeah it's just so fucking good (laughs) it's so so good good. this is this is yeah i when you started this off by saying like we're gonna talk about this movie forever, I'm like, no, we're fucking not. This movie's just perfect. We're just gonna be like, this is perfect. It's it's the it's the it's the end of the Spider Verse problem. We're just like, I don't know. 
it's good. (laughs) Right, right. It's perfect. What do you want? It's it's great. Like, yeah, I I will say, and this is my one last, before we kind of wrap up, this is my one last tease for the rest of this very weird and conventional series of these movies we're doing, which is that, in my opinion, I have a very definite, like, this is what I think these movies in aggregate say. And I, I will say you are correct in that. I think they say those things they say that thing very definitively by saying a lot of things and letting, letting, you know, not being didactic and letting you draw your conclusion out of it. Because it's, to me, the thing that it says is something that is just very, it is a theme only in that it is something that I think we all know inside of us. Right. Uh, yeah. well, and it's, it's, you know, um, I'm very interested to see the next couple because it is a very like, you know, obviously this is made as a trilogy and obviously this movie is very much about like, about like human relationships as it exists to time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's, that is very much like the conceit of the movie is just like, oh, in 24 hours, like these people are never going to see each other again. Like, what do they do with that time? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very, 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 very link later thing to be like, to be like, how do people exist over time? I mean, Ethan mm-hmm. Hawke has that monologue about like, I have this great idea for like, for like a public access show. And it's like, yeah. it's like weird and it's silly, but like, it's like, we just film somebody for 24 hours and just broadcast the whole thing. And like, we do that 365 times every day of the year. And you see yeah. like, 365 people's different lives. And like, that is such a link later thing. Like mm-hmm. it, it is, that's what, if you've ever seen Slacker, like, I think yeah, that's his first yeah. feature. Like, yeah. that is the whole thing. Is it's just, like, is it's just, like, for five minutes, we're gonna, like, we're gonna, like, be with these people, and the person's gonna leave and go to, like, their next, like, you know, engagement. Like, they're gonna go to a we're coffee doing. shop and meet up with somebody, and then, like, that person's gonna go, and it's just, it's just, there's no central through line. It's just, like, the portrait of a community through, yeah. like, how people talk to and engage with each other and i mean that's boyhood is it's like how does how how do we grow up over time like well let's spend 15 years making it and like with this one too it's like that thing of okay here is like a very small like how do we deal with like love and time but then he makes two more movies about those same people years later and it's like he's he's doing all of these experiments with time such a good Um, artistic statement and like and just like and also like the 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 like the human emotions and the human like truth that comes out of time um and so i'm very excited to see how sort of the thesis of these movies change over the course of three films because i can only imagine as well like i mean i can only imagine that like you know link later making this movie when he's in his 20s and then coming back when he's in his 30s and then coming back when he's in his 40s like there's no way like because because i think richard linklater is a better filmmaker than this there's no way that like the thing he set out to say when he was 27 is the same thing he's setting out to say when he's 45. nope nope and i again this is another thing i might have mentioned in the first half but i do think it's important is that after this the three primary writers on the next two films are linklater delpy and hawk and they yeah after this they write their characters um and they just ah, fuck they just get better um but yeah no you got it right on the head yeah. i mean that's i and even fuck i mean i think that fucking dazed and confused is basically just the yeah it's, it's yeah. the mass market version of slacker it's just like hey it's about a day 
It's not about a, it's 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 fucking Gertrude Stein. It's landscape drama. It's not about a person or a thing. It's about a yeah. time and a place. Like yeah, it's like it's. I mean, and oh god, Dazed and Confused is so good. Um, I, I I honestly like I should have I should have mentioned that earlier, but I forgot about it because I was so like this is Boyhood. This is uh yeah, yeah. you know this is slacker. Like this is mm-hmm. you know I mean, and it's it's very fun to see how he uses extremely similar techniques in all four of these films to make like very similar points but like the way he doesn't like they're not all for the same film they're four very different films and they're all very concerned with similar things but yeah um, it's it's one of the things that i appreciate about Linklater very much and he's like i don't know like i struggle to say that Linklater is like one of my favorite directors just because he's put out like so much bullshit like but even that you know I appreciate that he's a dude that's just willing to fucking try shit. It's just like, I don't know, whatever. I'm going to do, oh, what's the, I'm going to do Where'd You Go, Bernadette, movie that nobody saw. Yeah, well, I mean, that was, but that was, but that was him, but that was him, you know. flying. Yeah, but Where'd You Go, Bernadette is him, you know, like, here's a, here's a popular wine mom novel. Like, do you want to make $10 million? And it's like, you know, if I was Richard Linklater, I would absolutely direct where where did you go, Bernadette? I'd like to continue living in Austin, Texas on my ranch. Yes, I I will make that. Or fuck it, or fuck it. Scanner Darkly, I'll do an animated movie. Yeah, fine, sure, whatever. Like, yeah. So this movie is good. It's very good. I'm very glad you liked it. I am over the moon excited for you to see the the next two uh because i do think that like i do i mean i don't know if i again i might have said this in the first half but cards on the table i think this is the in my opinion this is the best trilogy of all time because i think that it is it is just the most it is it is a, a trilogy in which every film makes every other film better in retrospect and there is no dip in quality in any of them. Like there's no, you know, there's no uh, Return of the Jedi, which I, is good and I do like. There's no Return of the Jedi. There's no X3. There's no, you know, whatever the fuck. Right, right. There's no Godfather Part 3. There's, you know. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I'm i glad that you're picking up on those themes and they interest you because they're only, it is, it's truly, it's only going to get like more. It's fine wine. It's only well, going to get and, better with age. And now that we've been talking about it, I'm actually, I do think I still want to do uh sunrise or i mean sunset very early on in the next in the next series that we do however now that we've been talking about it i'm actually really excited to give some time between watching them specifically because like now that we're talking about it i think the you know and even though it's only gonna be like several weeks to several months but like you know um i think that were I to kind of like binge all three in a row, I'm going to try to be looking for like purposeful thematic, like mm-hmm. this started in the beginning, like, like, what is he doing? Like overall. And like, I'm yeah. actually really excited for the fact that um, I'm really excited for the fact that like much like, you know, these characters would be like letting this one kind of fade in my memory yeah let and, only re- and only remembering like the things that really the things that really mattered to me and then yep. coming back in a few months and like and you know almost almost having that experience of like i'm watching the second movie and like i'm trying to recall things as they happen but like 
I have contextualized them in a different way. You know, like I have, I have given that time and forgotten certain details and blown up certain details in my mind. And like, I actually think it's going to be a lot nicer to try and formulate thoughts about each individual movie and the trilogy as a whole over time versus like, okay, let's sit down and watch one, two, and three, you know, the same Lord of the Rings. Like this isn't like, you know, one big production that goes for four years that like one leads into the next leads into the next. It's like, it's like, no, like the the time between the space between is important. I, when I first watched them, I made myself wait even a few weeks between them. And I was very glad that I did. Um, and, 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 and again, now, and I think that there is the fun of then, you know, doing the puzzle thing with movies where you then go back and you go like, oh, holy shit, there's things that connect. And like, like I, my, what, fucking fourth time watching this movie two days ago, there's a thing that Julie Delpy says that I was like, oh, I was like, oh, wait, that's actually incredibly important in the next movie. And I never noticed it until now, you know, like there is also that aspect. And, and again, and is a thing that's important in the next movie that was not, because it was not a planned trilogy that was just there and they looked at the script and said, let's mine that. That's interesting. Let's take that. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. No, I think that's the correct decision. And I'm so excited to do the next one. And I'm very glad that you liked this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, wonderful. Yeah. it was, cool. it was, it was lovely. Um, I loved it. Um, I finally understand why Ethan Hawke was so coveted in the nineties because like, I've always liked Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. but like, it's always one of those things where I'm like, I'm like, yeah, okay, Ethan Hawke's fine, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But like, this is like a truly incredible performance. I I don't think that people, yeah, I mean, it's better now that he's a bit older. But I do think back then, just looking at the like, because what the fuck, I mean, you know, he, it's the thing that a lot of like we've talked about DiCaprio. It's the thing that a lot of actors either they didn't have the like who would go on to be really fantastic actors either they're young and they don't have the facility for it yet or they're hot and they're the new thing so they're being slotted into pretty cute guy roles which is i don't really think what ethan hawk is very good is not his strong suit i mean he's very charming and he's very cute in this but they, that's not why he's good in this at all yeah that's crazy yeah. i'm i'm looking at um ethan hawk's awards and um he was nominated for two oscars based off of the uh like from this trilogy but it was mm-hmm. for writing the second and the third one yeah. i'm I mean, I don't know. I guess the Academy sucks and they really want people who are like screaming and like, you know, putting on like giant fat suits and like, you know, aging themselves up 45 years to be transformative. But like, I I don't know how this wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, it is. Hey, take it back to Leonardo DiCaprio. The man can spend 10 years of his career specifically trying to just craft shit that's great and then the academy doesn't give it to him until he's like what you want me to fucking kill a bear and live inside it fuck you what okay sure whatever i'll do it that's what i'll I'll, I'll do it i want that goddamn statue i need it fuck you like yeah but oh man all right well caroline anything else you want to get out about this movie before we wrap up um no just (laughs) 10 out of 10 can't can't come up with a single complaint my only complaint is that it ends but i think if it didn't end (laughs) it wouldn't be the the, the, none of the movie would make sense because it's it's all about how it ends complaint with love anyway yeah Uh, so producer i'd love to give it to us and share a 
I, I can't say anything better or smarter than what you guys have said oh, about this movie. No. Oh, it's stop that. You. Oh, it's shucks. You stop that. It's perfect and it's beautiful. And I, um, for those of you who do not know, I have, I love movies, but I am a very, I, for a very long time, I've been a very like pop culture, like what's popular movie. I have not watched, like I, I'm catching up on a lot of the classics. So I did not realize who Richard Linklater was. Uh, but I'm going to share an anecdote that uh, will speak to our musical theater nerds. Have, do you guys know about his Merrily We Roll Along project? Yeah, it's bizarre. No, I don't. I so Merrily, Is this the one that he's been shooting for like eight years or something? I don't know how long he's been shooting it for, but it's going to shoot for 20 years. That's his whole... Merrily, yeah, Merrily We Roll Along is like, it closed after 16 performances on Broadway. It's widely considered one of Sondheim's like absolute worst works. I think it's a perfect, I shouldn't say I think it's perfect. I think it's a lovely musical, <laughs> but Ben Platt and Beanie Feldstein are going to be filming it for the next 20 years with Richard Linklater. Uh, and that got announced, I think... This article is from 2019, so it will be out in 2039, 2038, 2039. Uh, what a cool dude. What a cool dude. I had known about that, and I forgot about it until you mentioned it. Can I just say, my, my reading that, reading that, uh, you know, when the articles about that came out, my reactions were Richard Linklater, oh, uh, is going to do Merrily We Roll Along. Okay, yeah. For 20 years. Oh, okay. <laughs> With Beanie Feldstein. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. And Ben Platt. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll see where Ben Platt's at in 20, in 20 years. years. Yeah, okay, yeah. sure. Um, my mom texted me the other day, and she's just like, I can't wait to go see um, Dear oh, Evan no. Hansen. Oh, and I was so like, weird. uh I love my mother so much, and I have told her I because I have that AMC Stubbs A list, which like <laughs> they need to sponsor us because I shill that I, thing so. I haven't bought it yet, but I'm literally about to. It's it's oh, AMC it's the best. Sponsor yeah, our podcast. I need to. Um, but like I I've had that for months, and I always tell her I'm like I'm like any movie you want to see, yeah. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care yeah. how little I want to see it. Like I love you, mom. It's not costing me anything. Yeah, like you you don't um you know like. She doesn't want to go to the movies often. She's not a huge movie person, but she, I'm just like, I'm just like, anything you want to see, just text me and we'll go. And she texted me yesterday and was just like, I was like, I can't wait to go see Dear Evan Hansen with you, but it doesn't come out for over a month. And I'm just like, I'm like, just let me know when it's out. Like, we'll go. So see, I will be going to see Dear Evan Hansen very soon. <laughs> Meanwhile, that my, comes out in like two weeks. Very soon. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Meanwhile, and when this episode drops, it'll be like already out, I guess. Meanwhile, my mom texted me the trailer to that when it first came out with the caption why does his face look like that <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good question it's a very good Honestly. question i don't know how they made him look older than he does he looks older than he does in real yeah. life why yeah. i yeah whatever there when, when we'll talk about this in a patreon episode when it comes out i'm sure because i'm gonna i'm gonna go see that fucking thing i have no i don't think i'm gonna like it one little bit but i'm, I'm gonna go see it it looks bizarre i i could talk yeah i could talk about this for hours this will be a patreon episode. oh yeah for sure <laughs> i think that's all we have about before sunrise mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely much like the film itself and much, much like love and new love and everything <sighs> All good things must come to an end. Yes. And thus does our this discussion on this podcast. Film. Yes. If you like what you hear, please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. 
Leaving a review also really helps out the visibility of the show. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash HHYNS podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at HHYNS pod. And a very special thank you to our patrons, Caitlin Matthews and Nihar Fodke. If you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash HHYNS pod. We have multiple levels, all with their own perks, ranging from $1 to $25 a month. Like I said, if you're interested in hearing more, please visit patreon.com slash HHYNS pod. Yeah, if you give us enough money, you get to pick a movie for the main series. So if that it's interests a, it's, you It's all. a good chunk of change, but, you know, it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, you get to tell us what to do, yeah, which I mean, yeah, yeah. I think that works out for everyone. Uh, <laughs> so next week, because we are launching our Patreon, um, we just launched it, but in October is really when we're going to start producing content and making sure that it's up. It's up now so that you guys can can get there. There's a, a little bonus episode on there that we did. Um, but because we like are going to start rolling out like regular content starting next month in October, next week on the main series, we will be taking off. But when we return, we will be doing three horror movies in a row for Ooh. Halloween chosen by yours truly because Carson does not know horror I'm films. a little crybaby. I don't know. I don't know scaries. And, yeah. And so the first film that will be on deck is going to be 2001's film, The Others. Ooh, I don't know. I literally know shit about that. I don't know anything about that movie. Yeah, well, I'm excited, I'm excited because it is it is one of my favorite movies. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, great, great little horror film. So um, with that said, I think that's everything we got on this episode. So we will see you guys in two weeks and hopefully we'll see you next week on Patreon. Bye. <laughs>